Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Alright, who brought their Bible to church? Yay, come on. All the Bible lovers. Love the Bible. Holy Spirit presided over it to bring us the glorious gospel from the gospel contained in the old covenant but revealed in the new covenant, the superior covenant that we get to preach. And I'm going to look at a passage this morning, uh, Paul's letter in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to take the first 12 verses of that letter This was his final letter that he wrote, 2 Timothy. Paul had a radical conversion. He got born again. He then spent several years just under the power of God as Jesus just worked this gospel in his life. He was then sent out from Antioch in Acts chapter 13 where they went on various missionary tours and saw churches established and many people saved. And he sums up his conversion in Acts 26, where he's before Agrippa, King Agrippa, and he's going to be condemned to spend the last years of his life in prison. And he says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. And he said, Jesus appeared to me when I was on the road. And he told me, he said, Paul, I'm going to use you and send you to open eyes of blind people. To turn those from darkness into light and those held captive by Satan. Paul had a very powerful commission. There were times when the ministry was flying. But by the time we get to 2 Timothy, it was quite sad at many levels because many had deserted him. He was alone in this little, nothing more than a hole dug in the side of of a hill with a metal grate over it exposed to rain and a bucket lowered once a day or you know, to clean out what mess was in there. And a very pitiful sad. But in that state, he writes this letter. You can almost hear his, his, his chains clinking around his hands as he, as he writes to Timothy, his son. And I'm going to just look at this passage this morning under the, under the heading, Our Life Mission. I say ours because I'm talking both individually and corporately as the church. That in this passage, Paul wants to say the last important things that he's going to get to say. And somewhere in this passage, he, he, he makes his main proposition, the, the main thing. Because in every uh, passage of Scripture, there's kind of a key thought, the central thought, and then there's a whole lot of subordinate thoughts that prop that thought up. Okay, you get that? So when you study scripture, you look at the book, you look at the covenant, but you also look at the passage and even the sentence. But here we're going to take the main passage out of verses 1 to 12 and look for the main proposition. And it's found in verse 8. And it starts with the word so. So do not be ashamed. So. I just want to pause a moment and say the word so itself is a, gives us an idea of what's happening. 
It's the thought is being developed. So, it's a bit like me saying to you, you know, when I went to the doctor this week, told me my cholesterol's high, I'm eating wrong food. So, this coming week, I'm going to start looking at it. The so introduced a new thought based on the grounds of what's just been said. We're going to come back to what has been said, but I want to pick it up because this is the main thought. The main proposition is found in these words, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. That's what he's trying to say in these first 12 verses, his central thought, the main thing. And he's going to develop around that at different levels. And I mean, the first thing that comes to us is, why would anyone be ashamed? I mean, this is just such a wonderful message, a life-changing message. Well, not when you lived around the time of Paul and the apostles. Jesus was seen as a criminal. After all, he'd been crucified the worst possible way. Uh, The the, the lowest of the lowest criminals were, were executed. It was a scandal, the Bible says. It was mocked at. I mean, in the Greek pagan worship of gods, it was the God of thunder, thunder, and power, and Superman, and Spider-Man, and Batman all wrapped into one. Who's this weakling, crucified in weakness? It was a scandal. And Paul is saying, Timothy, there's going to be a temptation to want to dub down on this because it's a scandal. And while I'm saying don't be ashamed to testify of Jesus, he also goes on and says, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join in me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. There was a scandal attached to Paul. After all, he was also in prison. The God he served was seen as a weak God amongst the pagan gods. And he's saying to Timothy, do not be scandalized. Do not be ashamed, but testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. That same message rings out today. We might be ashamed for different reasons. We might be embarrassed for different causes, maybe culturally. And I remember walking through uh, England some years ago, through London, and a guy on a soapbox shouting, lung, he's, he's, Veins in his throat were almost bursting and had a suit and tie. And, 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 and we don't maybe do it that way in the streets anymore. And for just a moment, I felt like walking on the other side of the road. But you know what? He's doing his best, what he knows. And who knows what God can do through something as radical as that. But think of other examples of what could make us feel ashamed, embarrassed. I'm glad I had an aunt who testified to me about Jesus. Yara was a delinquent teenager hitchhiking through Newcastle. She said, no, you don't have to go through. Stay with us for a few nights and see you down and out. Come and just spend a few days with us, which turned into a few months. And during that time, I heard the gospel, and I giggled to myself because it was such a a funny fairy tale story. I'd never heard the gospel, never opened a Bible, never put my foot in a church, but I ended up getting a job in that town, got work, got invited with a few friends to go away for a weekend, and I was really set up, because they had a prayer meeting going, and when the altar call came, and somebody urged me to go, 
I didn't know what I was doing. I never understood a word of the message. It didn't make sense. I enjoyed some of the singing and certainly some of the lady company, but the actual message didn't make sense. I went to the front. The Holy Spirit, all I can say is I just got squeezed in the power of God. I was the last to leave that meeting. I stood there weeping the whole night. I just experienced someone I'd never heard about. I thought it was fictitious. I thought it was a myth, just a fairy tale. But it came because somebody witnessed to me about the truth and didn't give up. Bless my own soul for carrying on with me. Not ashamed to testify about the Lord. Not ashamed of me, his prisoner. And he goes on now and he's going to give a brief explanation of the gospel in the next few verses. He says, and join with me with suffering for this gospel by the power of God who... Has saved us, say saved us, and called us to a holy life. That word hagiadzo is a, is a word literally meaning to be set apart. When it speaks of God as being holy, it's because God is set apart. He's unlike anything else or anyone else. And when He calls you and saves you, He sets you apart. He hagiadzoma you. The danger we can read that and think, oh, so he saved me and called me so I could try and make myself a better person. You know, like holier than thou. That word has been completely misunderstood. To be made holy means he separated you. He said, you belong to me now. Satan, get your hands off him. He's mine. He has made us holy. He has sanctified us to himself. Or else the next phrase wouldn't make any sense, which is, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. If your being made holy was based on the good things you do and the bad things you don't do, then those next few words would make absolute no sense. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And because we set aside, we want to preserve our intimacy with him. Because we set apart to be his sons and daughters, when we do stupid things. We want to keep the relationship right and we go and make right with our Father. But that's not what makes you holy. What makes you holy is that He called you by His grace and his, for His own purpose. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This was already God's plan, but is now revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Praise God. And how did this apply to Paul's calling? Well, in the next verse, he explains and says, Of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. A herald is someone who does what I'm doing this morning, just trumpets out the message. Not trying to explain every little thing, but just proclaiming Jesus Christ is Lord. An apostle is someone who goes, who is sent. And a teacher goes and explains what the guy that was shouting on Sunday morning was trying to say. He says, I'm doing all those things. I'm a herald. I'm proclaiming. I'm also one who was sent and commissioned to go. Could be your neighbor. Could be in the workplace. Could be like Paul to the nations. And a teacher. 
This was Paul's gospel. And then he finishes this part of his thinking after saying, so do not be ashamed. He says, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know who I have believed. I love that verse. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Wow, I know who I have believed. I'm not ashamed because I know who I have believed. Yes, the wind was blowing hard against him. In prison, suffering, hardship. But as we heard Rob teach a few weeks back, sometimes when we're in the will of God, the wind is blowing against us. And sometimes when we're out of the will of God, the wind is blowing against us. You've got to discern which one you've got to rebuke and which one the cat needs to turn around if the cat's being stroked the wrong way. Hello? This wind was blowing against Paul. It didn't silence him. It didn't make him ashamed. He kept on preaching and through his writing, he said, I know who I believed and that he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him. What was that? Well, it certainly was his soul, but it was more than that. It was his work, his life's work. Paul had no idea. I mean, I mean here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just, just get this picture, right? He's going to get to heaven one day and not have a clue why so many people know about him. He died in a little prison hole with a few mates. Some had deserted him. Some had left and all those guys. And he, had a, and he had Timothy and a few churches he was still in communication with. Had no idea that the one he believed in was going to keep what he had entrusted to him to such an extent that it became the foundational doctrine of the church for 2,000 years. That became the, the lifeblood of our theology and doctrine that kept the church uh, focused on the gospel, not ashamed to testify. And you'll get to heaven and go, how come everybody knows me? Why? Because in his lifetime, he never saw the answer to that prayer. I know who I've believed in and convinced that he's able to keep. Come on, church. you got some stuff. you got to pray that God is able to keep. He's able to keep your children. And he's able to keep your grandchildren to the third generation. He's able to keep the promises He's spoken over your life. And He's able to keep your soul till that day you stand before Him in glory. Amen? So this is the, this is the, the message He's communicating to Paul. So, do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord Jesus. Dot, dot, dot. Fine print. By the way, this could land you in jail. Smaller print. There's going to be some suffering along the way. But do not be ashamed. I'm glad I had a family member who wasn't ashamed. We, we just had a delightful experience. Uh, too young. Can, can we just pause the soundtrack for a moment, Stevie? Thanks. And look at what the grounds of all this was. Of this main thought that he's sharing. And let's pick it up from a verse that we all know so well. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What gift is this talking about? The gift of the Holy Spirit, because that's the one we see imparted through the laying on of hands. But in the Holy Spirit, there's lots of other gifts. You know, you've got gifts that God's called you to use. This is a nice advert for, for, for you, Heather, to say, this is our church, amen? It belongs to us now. We're going to have a big party on the 30th. And some of you got gifts in administration, in friendliness, in hospitality, in cooking, and we're going to use some of those gifts. But that's not what he's really talking about here. He's talking about the anointing, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Timothy. God, you, you need to fan into flame that gift. It's something you've got to do. He says, for this reason, let's just briefly, we'll come back to the verse, but for this reason, what reason? That should be our first question is, uh, I thank God who I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. Night and day, I continually remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears. Say recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith. Say sincere faith. Which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So he's saying, Timothy, because you got sincere faith. For this reason. Because the faith you got, even though it was third generational faith, it was sincere faith. That word sincere, uh, the, the Greek word is, is an uncracked vessel. In other words, it's something, because when you were making a pot, if it, was, if it was held up to the light and you could see crack, it would be broken and recycled. That was an insincere vessel. A sincere vessel is un- you have a real genuine faith and it's third generation it came down from your grandmother who was praying for you and your mother who was praying for you and when you got it you got it properly i remember the day when you sobbed come on church grandmother grandfather we have a calling to the third generation and when sincere faith comes to them it's got to be fanned into flame. It's got to be kept hot. He doesn't say, ask God to fan your flame. He says, you fan your flame. How do you fan your flame? Well, you use it. There's a good tip. I'm glad my aunt, when she witnessed to me, she was using her gift. And you know when you use it, there's nothing that makes you hotter than when you get around unsafe people and start sharing your faith. Nothing warms you up quite as much. I was joking with Louise last, well, sort of half joking, at the coffee counter because I was a bit late for church. I was drinking coffee still, and I said to her and Trish, I said, that's okay, they're just going to sing, sing, and then someone will talk, and then I'll go in. And they laughed. And, they, and Louise said, yeah, you've been doing this for too long. You need to get out where there's only sinners. <laughs> when you're around Christians all the time, a little bit of you can become a little bit blasé. Hello? Only me? Why are you looking at me like that now? Grandmothers, mothers, fathers, we can't see a diluted expression of the faith go to the third generation. It's got to be sincere. And then it's got to be stirred up. It's stirred up when we use it. In Jude, he says, build yourself up praying in the Spirit. That's another way you fan up the flame, praying in the Spirit. Who knows that praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit, 
fans you up and builds you up. Find somewhere to use it. If you don't use it, you lose it. The anointing is going to remain with you, but the experience of it can fluctuate. And when you don't have what it goes on to say now, how, how we stir it up, what it looks like, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a sound mind, love and a sound mind. And that's very interesting. When you remove fear, all that's left is love power and a sound mind. Fear is the number one hindrance to stirring up our gifts. Fear will limit us from walking in the love that the Holy Spirit produces, the power that the Holy Spirit produces, the sound mind or the self-discipline. You'll notice in some translations it says love power and a sound mind, and in others it says love power and sound self-discipline. Why why is there a difference there? Well, I went and researched this word, sophronosimo. I went to the very clever people who've studied all the literature of those days on language. And uh, in the New International Bible Commentary, it says this, that this word group was, had a, a, a wide meaning, a wide semantic range. It included prudence, moderation, discretion, self-discipline. But here's the main point, okay? Paul has in mind a measure of control over one's thinking and actions that allow a balanced outlook on any situation. So what is the self-discipline? It's a way of thinking. That's why that same word, sophronizomo, can be interpreted sound mind or self-discipline because it's almost a combination of the two. It's a way of thinking that is disciplined. It's a way of thinking that's not always in anxiety and not always building narratives out of everything that comes out of Facebook and Twitter. It's a mindset that's not controlled by media, but controlled by God. And we have the mind of Christ to read the scriptures and to to scrutinize our own thinking in light of truth. Because the mind is a very dangerous battleground if you've got no armor on. And he's saying, God gave you love. He gave you power. But he also gave you an ability to not get all screwed up in your thinking. And all confused and wonder how many mental disorders. I know it's a terrible thing and and it can happen from other reasons and other causes. But how much can trace itself back to just stinking thinking? When we go through life with stinking thinking, it's just a matter of time before it catches up. And we build up all kinds of psychoses and paranoias and schizophrenias. And our mind starts playing tricks because our mind is not being subjected to truth. The Word of God, the preached Word, the studied Word, the taught Word, the Spirit of God in solitude, quietness, meditating on the Word of God. Come on. He says, that's what God gave you. And the thing that can stop it is a thing called fear. So let's deal with fear if we want to learn how to use the gift in love because we can't witness to Jesus if there's no love flowing. And power. If we don't have a power of God present, we're resting purely on human device. But one more thing he says, your thinking can be disciplined. 
And uh, I went to a very trusted source on this topic of fear. Siri, how many fears are there in the Bible? I kid you not. Siri, how many fears are there in the world? Okay, so, so, so now you know how, where, where I get all my information from. There are some of the most, there are like hundreds of fears. I didn't even get through the A's. There must be like 80 of them. I mean, there's words here and brain even you can't pronounce. And I'm serious. I mean, there's, there, there's one here. It's the, it's the fear of long words. Hippotomostosteriostomostoquipoteriophobia. No wonder they're scared of long words. There's like fear of washing and bathing. Let that sink in. Fear of sour, fear of dark, fear of noise, fear of pain, fear of, of wild animals, fear of crossing a street, fear of chickens, fear of pain, fear of garlic, fear of opinions. I mean, they're not even out of the A's yet. I mean, go knock yourself out. There are the 10 most common fears, which is the fear of going crazy, fear of intimacy, and then the fear of uh, spiders, rats, cockroaches, snakes, airplanes, monsters, demons, mirrors, high heels. The fear of death, fear of loneliness, and it's quite interesting that, I mean, then there's a whole lot of weird. Go Google weird phobias. I mean, you don't even want to go there. But let me jump down to um, the number one fear. Do you want to know what the number one fear is? I know some of you know already. Public speaking is listed as America's number one fear before death at number five and before loneliness at number seven. I guess that means that most of us are less afraid of dying alone than of making fools of ourselves in front of others. So there's all these kind of fears that plague us, that need to be battered out, needed to be blocked, needed to be defended. Because it's those fears that hinder us from operating in this anointing of love, power, and a sound mind. This anointing never leaves us, but we just sometimes don't experience it because we haven't fanned the flame. Now, we know this verse well, but are we fanning the flame? Only 5% of Christians, it said, ever witness to their faith. And the number one cause of that will be this thing called timidity, which is a fear. Nothing wrong to be uh, quiet. Nothing wrong to be private and introverted. Nothing wrong with being even shy at a level. But this goes beyond that. It's this terrible fear of what if I make a fool of myself? My friend, we will never be unashamed to witness about our Lord Jesus, as long as we tolerate that fear. 
It will be the blockage of the love flowing through our life. It will be the blockage of God using us in power. It will be the blockage in our thought life and our thinking. Hello? You know, we can have lots of teaching on evangelism, enough to sink the Titanic. But if we harbor fear, it stops us. Fan of flame, the gift, it's in you. It was in you when you got the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be ashamed about it. It's in you. The gift is in you, but the gift can get cold. The gift can atrophy. The gift can become neglected. And I never finished. I did finish my story with those two young ladies. That's right. You could have put the tape back on. Probably missed this whole second half of the sermon. I just didn't want them ever to listen to this and think that that we had ulterior motives, which we did. But uh, you know what I mean. In the process, found, made two very good friends. But my heart breaks. Because in all religion, it's all about me and what I do. And how shall they hear if someone doesn't tell them? How shall someone tell them unless they are sent to tell them? Consider yourself sent. And how shall we be sent if we're living in fear and timidity, we can break that off ourselves and say, Lord, I've got a sincere faith in you. I know whom I've believed. I know he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him. Now, Lord, I want to fan to white hot red in the furnace the gift, your Holy Spirit. And when Fear is no longer a dominant force. I will not be ashamed. I will be bold to open my mouth and talk about the one who called me, the one who set me apart to be holy, not because of any good thing I did, but by His grace and for His purpose. This grace that was hidden before time, but now has been revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ, a faith that is more precious than silver and gold. The pearl of great price. Can we stand up this morning? I want to pray two prayers. I still got five minutes of your time. I want to use them. I want to pray two prayers. I want to pray for people who maybe never responded to say, yes, Jesus, I want this grace. I know I'm blinded, I'm captive to Satan, my sin will send me to hell, and there's nothing I can do about it, because I was born dead in first Adam, and I have to be born again into last Adam if I'm going to be saved. Or else I have to rely on my own efforts, which are filthy rags. But I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus, has brought to me. If that's you now, if you're identifying with what I've just said, don't you want to just, in your heart, in fact, we can all pray with you, but you're praying for yourself now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for this gospel that declares that through what Jesus accomplished, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, I can be forgiven 
made righteous and set apart to Him. I believe. I receive.